Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Welcome to Telling Everybody Everything, and welcome to my dressing room once more with Fiona. We are doing a few of these podcasts on the move, and that's because we're always on the move. Um, without revealing too much, uh, productions keep getting pushed forward, rescheduled, shut down, canceled because of this whole new COVID world that we're living in. And it just feels unsustainable to me. Everything I do is getting pushed back. Because if anyone who's come in contact with anyone who's been in contact with anyone has even a false positive vid test, then of course you have to take precautions and productions are the safest places in the world. They are so super, super overly cautious and they want to keep everyone happy and healthy and well, but it means that they are, I don't know how much money it's costing them. It's costing a lot of my time, I will tell you that. So Fiona and I are on a rescheduled job. We are super excited to be here. She can't really speak to you because she has laryngitis. She does not have COVID. Everyone relax. Nobody fucking panic. I feel like COVID is the Me Too movement of sickness because back in the day, you used to be sick, you used to shut your mouth and go to work. And now they're like, tell an adult, report it, stay safe. And back in the day, we used to be sexually harassed at work all the time and we were supposed to shut up and keep it to ourselves. And now they're like, report it. Someone cares. And it's like the same... It's the same to me. I just feel like women my age have been tremendously gaslit. Now we're supposed to tell people when we're sick. I've been sick, like on death's door during so many productions. How many gigs have I done with an infectious disease? All of them, if you count HPV. All of them. But now all of a sudden, you can be sick. No one cares. If it's COVID, you know, the building's getting locked down. Anyway, on the subject of Fiona... I reached out last time saying that she's single and she's ready to mingle. That was only half true. She's not ready to mingle. She's not interested in dating anyone. But I'm inspired because that's when I met Bobby Kay. I really wanted to be single. And I feel like that is when you are potentially open to meet your best person. You don't have to meet your best person. You don't have to be in a relationship. Being single is an amazing time. But I feel like once you really reach the moment of self-sufficiency and pleasure in your own company, that's when magical things can happen. So I reached out and I said, send me an email to telling everybody everything at gmail.com. If you would like to date Fiona, if you know someone who would like to date Fiona, because everyone that she's encountered so far has been definitely a killer, 100% serial killer. 
And she's not interested, but I'm interested. So while Fiona just does her own thing, not interested, I'm going to be on the lookout. I'm going to be combing through to see, do like a little virtual audio podcast blind date. She's over there taking a sip of some sort of, is that Baraka? <gasps> do you have extra Baracas? Yeah. No, no, not right now. Relax. I'm doing my podcast. I can't have a fizzy drink. Um, she can't really talk to you, but you know, I have her consent. She sort of, um, COVID. These are the things. The rules are sticky. I've been reading a lot about, of course, women's health, women's research. Carolyn Criado Perez is one of my favorite authors. She writes a lot about, uh, funded medical studies concerning women, concerning pregnant women. We're often excluded because you don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to do a trial on a pregnant woman and fuck it up. But essentially, if you exclude pregnant women or menstruating women or that whole area of our health, if you exclude that from trials, then the medicine becomes the trial. You know what I mean? And look how many pregnant women have been vaccinated now. <clears throat> Millions. And it's really been beneficial and helped them and kept them safe. And unfortunately, there have been some women who refused the vaccine pregnant because they weren't sure what it was going to do to their baby and they got really sick. In some cases, some have even lost their lives, which is horrific. She has released a new article. She's written a new paper on, you know, you can't blame these women. These women were told in the beginning, don't get the vaccine. Then they were told, okay, maybe get the vaccine. Then they were told again, maybe hold off on the vaccine. We don't have research on the vaccine. We deserve, I've been saying from the beginning, this is not an anti-vax stance, but we deserve research, we deserve care, attention, and disclosure. And then if you include pregnant women in studies and you give us the information up front, then pregnant women can make informed decisions. So you can't blame them. They've been let down by medical research. No, if you are a nurse, I'm not talking about you. You're not letting pregnant women down. I just mean from a systemic perspective, we are overlooked and excluded, and that has to stop. So if you can read anything by this formidable woman, she has a great book called Invisible Women that I really love. She's always writing articles. This one is COVID-specific about how it's kind of messing up menstrual cycles, and people are freaking out. I mean, I've even had people message me being like, oh, my God, I thought I had cervical cancer. My period went away, or my period came, like, really heavy for 11 days straight. And um, apparently that can happen. It's not a big deal, but it's because your menstrual system cycle is linked to your immune system and the vaccine encourages your immune system to, you know, kick itself into gear. Look, it's not a problem, but we don't know these things. No one warns us about these things. We don't have this information. So if someone did warn us, which some vaccine providers are starting to warn women, look, I'm going to give you your second shot. It might fuck up your period for a while. Don't panic. That's all we're asking for. That's all we're asking for. We need a sustainable rollout moving forward. And I cannot trust the people in charge and you can't blame me for not trusting them. Can I trust a prime minister who won't feed hungry children, but who'll spend 820 pounds on a roll of fucking wallpaper? No, I can't. Can I trust Matt Hancock to manage the NHS bu budget? We can't even grab ass convincingly. No, I can't. He's out of his job now. But like it's it's a gang of what do I like to call them? Wolf crying shit weasels. And they should give the job to someone else. So Fred, <clears throat> baby Fred, Frederick, big Fred. He had to go to the doctor just for a routine um, inoculations and appointment, all that little baby eight week stuff. He is 11 weeks on Sunday. 
We took him to the posh hospital where he was born for an appointment with the pediatrician there. And I had to go to work straight afterwards because my schedule is just like so piled up because all these jobs have been pushed. Fine. I go to the hospital and because I was en route straight to Leeds Festival later that day, or was it Reading? It was Reading. I brought Violet with me and Bobby because Bobby would have to go back with Fred and he needs Violet in the car to like make sure that Fred's all cool in the back seat. We still worry about it's weird putting a baby in a back seat and then you drive the car alone. And you can't see them and you don't know what they're up to back there. And yes, I know you can get the little mirror, but uh, he's too small. We can't really see him. So Bobby needed Violet to go back with him in the car because I was going to branch off, go to Paddington Station and go to the Reading Festival where I had a lovely time performing comedy. It was a great super spreader event. Um, so we get to the hospital and I check in and the woman goes, oh, is that, are you all together? Is that your child to Violet? And I was like, yes, this is also my child. And she's like, oh, well, you can't bring that child into the appointment. And I knew a lot of this was happening before, you know, they encouraged only one of us to register Fred. And I knew that Violet couldn't come to the hospital when Fred was born. And I know that they're encouraging like just one person to shop at pets at home and all these things that was happening. But I thought that that had all been lifted now. But I wasn't going to argue. I'm not going to argue with a reception person. These people have hard enough lives. And I think they get yelled at a lot, especially because I don't know, do they have methamphetamines behind the counter? I always assume so. And I assume they get yelled at. And that's why they have the signs that say, like, please don't abuse us. So I'm not going to abuse this woman. I was like, oh, all right. My my 12 year old can't come in. Fine. She'll stay here in the waiting room. And the lady's like, no, she can't even stay in the waiting room. She has to be outside. This is right, right outside Paddington Station. It used to be like a big area for drug dealing and sex work. I don't know what goes on around there now, but it's not like a super safe place to kick a child out into the street. And I was like, Ugh, all right, Violet, take my phone. We'll go in with Bobby's phone. You continue to text us and just lean against this glass door. There's a glass door. So it's not like we sent her out, you know, tied her to like a bike rack or just sent her out wandering. We were like, lean your body against this glass door so that receptionist is like looking right at you and you're safe. You're like against the building without coming in the door. And um, the lady's like, oh, maybe one of you should wait with her. Maybe you should take her and put her in the car. Put her in the car. Let's put Violet alone in a Range Rover so that, you know, if it wasn't dangerous enough to have a child standing around Paddington Station all alone, let's surround her with an expensive vehicle like she's an anti-theft device. Hi, Georgia. Georgia's here. Whoa. May I have one, please? Thanks. How did you pronounce that? Mandarin. Oh, I thought you said Mandarin. <laughs> mandarin. Like a mandolin. Do you want an easy peeler? Yeah. Woo. Do you want one, Georgia? We need hot water, Georgia. Stat. Well, is there maybe a kettle in this hotel room? Oh. Well, you know. It's okay. I'll boil you some hot water, Fiona. They gave us lots of lemon. And honey, you're not eating your honey. Oh, good. Easy peelers are my favorite snack on a job, and they're on every job. Every meeting room, every set, there's a bowl of easy peelers. And you know, I ordered some in my Okada order last week because I was like, I'm going to treat myself. I don't have to be at work to eat an orange. I can have oranges wherever I go. Mmm. 
delish. Thank you for that. That was Georgia. She's our friend. You're on my podcast. Sort of. I mean, you've said nothing. Okay. So they go, they suggest, oh, just take her out to wherever your car is, lock her in that. No, that is even more dangerous, arguably, than like having her lean against the window. So I said, no, I'm not going to do that. She's 12. You know, and Violet's kind of a tiny 12. So to the naked eye, like if you don't know kids and their sizes, some 12-year-olds look 25. Some 12-year-olds look 9. No offense, Violet. You know, she knows she's on the smaller side of 12. So they're like, I don't, I, I don't know. Okay, well, send. I'm like, you're the one asking me to send this child outside. I'm sending the child outside. What's the problem? They're like, I don't really feel like she should be alone. I'm like, right. Well, it's your rule, not mine. I don't really feel like she should be alone either. I feel like she should come into the appointment with us. We're in the same household. If she's got the vid, we've got the vid. But I understand you have a rule. So fine, she'll sit in your waiting room. If that's not allowed, she'll stand on your stoop. And the woman's still not satisfied. She's like, uh. so she goes and tells on us to like a senior nurse. So the senior nurse comes out and she's like, hi, we really do just have to advise. Have you got a 10 year old girl? I'm like, no, I have a 12 year old girl. She's like, I, I really, the hospital's po policy is I don't think you should have the child standing outside alone. And I was like, well, the child standing outside alone is no affiliation with the hospital. Don't worry yourself about that child standing outside alone. Think of her as many other children who might be standing outside alone. Don't worry about it. That's a call I've made and it's fine. And I just couldn't win with these people. They were like worried that I was leaving my child outside. Meanwhile, they're the ones who directly asked me to leave my child outside. How are these COVID rules making families safer? Who are we protecting by sticking by the outside Paddington fucking station? And this is a private hospital. I don't get it. Maybe you're thinking, why wouldn't one of you go stand with her outside? Well, because Fred is a small baby boy. I know my daughter, Violet. She and I were together alone for a decade. She's very grown up, very sensible. If you ask Violet to stand right outside and lean against a front glass door, that's what she's going to do. And that's where she'll stay. If anyone tried to hassle Violet, she's no wallflower. She'd run then inside the building, like where she actually is. And she kept in touch with us texting. You know your own kid. You know what I mean? But damn, these rules are annoying. It's like. Sorry, you don't approve of me putting my child outside. You're the one who told me to put her there. And I think, like, the nurses are between a rock and a hard place, too, because they probably don't care. They just have to enforce these vid rules. Whatever. Anyway, Fred had a great appointment. And this is the other thing. I know how doctors operate. The appointment lasts five seconds long. So Violet was alone for probably a total of eight minutes. She was fine. But, I mean, I was ever slightly annoyed because I thought... The rules were relaxing. So what are we doing? What are we doing going forward? Side note, Ready to Mingle, which is a job Fiona and I may or may not be on today, is kicking off ITV2 and ITV Hub Monday, September 6th. That is next Monday, I think 9 p.m. Yes, feels like a 9 p.m. show. Listen, it is spicy. It is fun. A lot of people saw the original announcement. <gasps> One single girl, 12 guys. Some of them are single. Some of them are not. They have partners and they're lying. And everyone's trying to win 50 grand. Will she pick a single guy and split the 50 grand with him? Or will she be fooled by one of the guys who's partnered up and he'll take all the money and split it with his missus? This is the show. It sounds like deceitful. It's definitely spicy. It's definitely hot. But it's not deceitful. Our girl whose name is Sophia, she's going in, eyes wide open. She knows what the game is, and she wants to play the challenge to see 
if she's grown enough in her experiences and relationships to spot a liar. That's the game. The boys' partners are all in on the game as well. They're on the show. They're, like, helping try to trick Sophia. But, I mean, it's all above the line. All consented, trickery, fun. It's a game. It's a game. So keep your knickers on. Keep your off-com complaints to your fucking self. And just enjoy the show. Filling a Love Island-shaped hole in your life. It's going to be on every night. Or you can binge, like, each week on the ITV Hub. Uh, That is Monday. That's going to be fun. My book, The Audacity, is also coming out in September, September 30th. Please pre-order it if you care about making my publishers happy. If you don't, just wait till it comes out. Or if you don't want to buy it at all, don't buy it at all. It's no skin off my minge. And then I'm on tour. Oh, I have to say something about the tour. I was waiting because I wasn't allowed. Or like, it's not that you're not allowed. It's just things have to be done in a professional order of things. So... I signed up to do some gigs for a company that had nothing to do with my touring. My touring is all done and handled by Live Nation expertly, beautifully. I adore Live Nation. But then comics do like mixed bills. We do other gigs for other people and other promoters throughout the year as well. Sometimes we just jump on a new material night or sometimes we do like a special event um, such as Comedy in the Park. That was meant to go on this summer and it got canceled because of COVID. There are some people DMing me tweeting me, messaging me that they have not received their refunds for that gig. My agent is chasing that hard. I'm chasing that hard. It's not like I've been paid and I have your money or any of the comics on that bill have been paid. We have not. And we had no control over it being canceled. And we want you to get your refunds. And it's a huge, I don't know what's happening if these promoters have to wait for insurance because of all the COVID stuff to get their money so that they can pay you back. I don't know how it works, but we are being annoying every day and trying to get your money back for you. I promise. Every comic is like pissed off about it. We understand. We don't want you wasting money that, you know, everyone is quite tight currently financially. You certainly don't need to be giving your money to a show that never happened. <clears throat> then I did some shows. Uh, I was scheduled to do Norwich, Coventry and somewhere else somewhere else. I forget where. But these got canceled because of another COVID thing. This is totally out of my control. It's not Live Nation. It's uh, a different touring company, tour promoter in a mixed bill with many comics. I don't have control over that as much. My agent is chasing them. I do not have your money. I have not been paid once again. It's more COVID stuff. As the world and the professional world and the touring world and the gigging world works out exactly how to handle this kind of stuff. So I'm really sorry about that. My tour dates in Europe have been postponed. This is my touring company. This is Live Nation. It's a decision that was made, again, because of COVID. I sound like a broken record. But if you booked tickets to my tour, which is called Misses, which is Live Nation, which is separate from me just like going on a bill with mixed, you know, other comics, you will get a refund or a rescheduled cancellation, whatever you want for that. This is something that's really close to like my office, my heart. I know the people running it. Don't worry about that. I am very disappointed that I can't do my European dates. I'm very disappointed that some of the tour, even in the UK, has been pushed back. Crawley has been pushed back. Guilford has been pushed back. And one more to start in October. Again, no prizes for guessing why. The fucking virus. And I wish that I could stop it. I wish so many things have been different about the last two years. But here we are. And it will all be sorted out soon enough. And I'm really sorry. And fingers crossed, I really believe it won't be pushed back anymore. 
but it has been a wild fuck up of a summer and there's been a domino knock on effect. Um, so in future, when you're booking tickets to any gigs, not just mine, never ever book via GoGo or whatever. That's a weird reselling website that I know very little about, but it's almost always a scam. And if you book via the Venue Direct or Ticketmaster or Live Nation, those are the people that I work with. Those are the refunds that I have some control over. And I feel like my lesson is I love gigging with other comics. I feel lonely when I'm on the road all by myself. I love, love, love doing Reading and Leeds Festival, Latitude Festival, Festival Republic are a great company. I love being able to see my peers and be on a mixed bill but I'm just not gonna be able to do that anymore for a while because I don't want this kind of stuff to happen I don't want you guys to be disappointed so apologies from the bottom of my heart I am doing everything I can do to sort it I know how important getting your refunds are and I I swear we're on it but like I don't know there's there's very little that seems like we can do quickly but in the end I hope it's sorted now after all of that some words from our sponsors and then when we return I'll be skimming the emails for a date request for you Fiona and I will also be giving you some life advice getting to your questions questions as Miranda Sings would say Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to Telling Everybody Everything. We are on a different set. Yes, recording this podcast has spilled over into the second day. Um, Fiona and Kaylee and I drove to a new city in the middle of the night, and now here we are on a new set. Because we're very blessed and the work never stops. However, some bad news. I've logged into the emails. Zero people are interested in you, Fiona. No one thinks they're good enough, I think, is the problem. It's harsh. And she doesn't want to date you. So that's good. You don't want to date anyone either. But I mean, I think I think our target audience is wrong. Do you know what I mean? There's one man who might have been single who sent me a message being like, fuck you for what you said about us posting on Twitter about the deceased. And I was like, you can post on Twitter about the deceased if you want. I don't care how you operate your Twitter. I'm just telling you on my podcast, I don't like to use social media as a window to the afterlife. I never post about deceased because my Twitter is a cesspool, a hellhole. I don't think it's like good enough to post about stuff like that. I don't like it. It's a personal preference. You post what you want. He seemed single, but he didn't mention you when he was telling me to fuck off. Um, All right. So let's get to the rest of the emails. By the way, okay, a lot of 
married people, men in partnerships, gay men, listen to the podcast, sure. But if you have a male, cis, or trans man, it does not matter as long as he likes women, hot women, blonde women, women over 40, women under 50, women who are one of my close personal best friends, funny women, um, original, creative, independent women, women who live by the sea, get in touch, telling everybody everything at gmail.com. And um, I will be vetting your profiles. This is the new Tinder. Okay, send your friends. Here's an, uh, here's an email not about Fiona, sadly. Catherine, some advice, please, mother to mother. Oh, Fiona, this will put you right off if you weren't already put off. I've never written anything like this before, but now I'm in desperate need of some advice. Who better to get a kick up the butt than you? from you. I'm 29. I have an 18-month-old, completely beautiful child with my partner. It's probably important to say that he is considerably older than I am. I know you dislike that, but when we're together, it doesn't feel like there's any age gap at all. Oh, really? Let's hear what your problem is, because I'm sensing a cultural gap is going to present itself, a, a like generational, you know? Older men, they just, a lot of them raised in a different time, different standards, different needs in a wife she goes on he is an alcoholic yep he refuses to admit this even though he drinks heavily passing out on the sofa multiple times a week this leaves me with my child until she goes to bed and then i'm alone his drinking has been heavy since he was a teen oh that's really sad i've historically been very passive about his drinking i used to find calm in the knowledge that there's very little i can do to make him change i can't love him into recovery and I can't force him to stop as it would run the risk of making his drinking worse. I don't know about that. Looking back, this might have been negligent on my part and partly due to my underlying lack of self-worth. I guess I didn't think it was worth him, I was worth him changing for. Listen, you've not been negligent. You were, you're like half right and half wrong. You're half right in that you need to peacefully accept that there's nothing you can do to make him change. But it's not like you know, you should have done this, you should have done that, or your self-worth prevented you from drawing a cold, hard line under alcoholism. Like, there are books and retreats and hundreds of years dedicated to, you know, prohibition, to solving this disease, and you are not equipped, nor should you even try to take on the responsibility of fixing it. It has nothing to do with you. We have our daughter now, and I'm emerging from the first time mum in lockdown cocoon and beginning to look at the next season of my life, which I want to be the most joyful and abundant as it can be for my family and me. Good. A few months ago, my partner got so drunk while we, whilst we were away for the weekend with my daughter and my stepdaughter. I found myself filled with rage and disgust at his repeated negligence of his family, and I decided to wake him and tell him to sleep on the sofa. <gasps> He then put his hands to my throat and started to strangle me. My daughter was in my arms. He woke up the next day with no clue about what happened until I told him. I was terrified, but this is the only time he's ever laid a finger on me and never would if he was sober. Well, it's a slippery slope. I gave him the ultimatum that he needs to go to AA and get help if he expects us to stay. He has been once only. I can't stand to be near him when he drinks now, but every time I bring it up, he laughs at me and tells me that I'm making a big deal out of one instance. Oh, one instance where you put your hands around my throat while I was holding our daughter. Scary. <clears throat> he continues to drink. He works in the city and he says that drinking is a vital part of his job so he can't stop. All right, Wolf of Wall Street. 
He has a problem, and I really don't know how to help. You can't help. I love him dearly, or else I wouldn't have stayed for so long. He's a brilliant parent when he's sober, and he makes me laugh like nobody else. I wanted to live my life with him, and I desperately want another child so that my daughter has a sibling. My parents divorced when I was young, and I never wanted that for my child. But you do want your child to grow up in an alcoholic household where this man is putting his hands around your neck while you're, you don't think your child like senses that energy, senses that her mother's with someone that she can't stand to be around multiple times a week. What's so bad about divorce that everyone's like, yeah, but I don't want my child to be a product of divorce. Divorce is fab. Fiona's divorced. Bobby's divorced. If I had ever been married to any of the utter shit weasels I'd dated, I'd be divorced. Get divorced. Divorce is great. Can be great. Oh, do I leave? I've packed our bags twice in the last month, but have stayed. We live in his house that he owns. I recently returned to work part-time, as working anymore would not make financial sense with childcare costs. I would have very little to give my daughter if we leave. I've eaten through most of my savings during my maternity leave, as my partner did not pay for anything. Therefore, I'd not be able to afford to live anywhere that's not my mother's spare room. He needs help. I want to give him that, but he doesn't see himself from an external perspective enough to see a problem. I've tried to get him to go to counseling, but he says he's tried it before and it was all crap. I'm at an impasse. What should I choose for my daughter and me? I mean, ugh. I have a variety of friends who have a variety of standards. And certain things that I feel are massive deal breakers for me are not massive deal breakers for them. And I do have friends who stay in relationships that I don't think that I would stay in, but then you don't know until you are in that relationship. So I understand that you're choosing better the devil you know. This is shit, but that would also be shit. Living in your mom's spare room is shit. Being financially insecure um, is scary when you have small kids and you love someone inside of this alcoholic monster that's like changing your relationship. I get all of that. Um, in the absence of like any ability to take responsibility or ownership of his alcoholism, there's really nothing that you can do. And I always say that walking away is not the same as giving up. You're not giving up on him or letting your kids down by being divorced or anything like that. You're just walking away or you would be walking away from a situation that you have wisely deemed to be dangerous and unsuitable. And you don't have to be on bad terms with him or leave in a huff and be like, I hate you and it's done. You know, you can recognize that he has a disease and still not want to be infected by it. Like there's a theme of contagion right now all over the world because of COVID. If if he had a disease, any other communicable illness that he could pass to your daughter or your stepchild or to you that could literally kill you, alcoholism kills people all the time and kills their partners, um, would you hang around and let your child get the, the like mystery fever and die from that or be damaged by that? No, you wouldn't. You would say, oh, I'm sorry. It's not your fault that you're sick, but you have to quarantine. We have to get away from you because this is a contagion and it's really damaging to us. So you have to treat alcoholism the same way. I would walk away, lovingly walk away and just be like, I'll take my chances in my mom's spare room for a while. And it doesn't have to be a permanent decision. Just see how happy you'll be temporarily in your mom's spare room, just in a peaceful environment. You don't need big space unless your baby is like a giraffe. You just need a safe, 
happy, harmonious space. And I'm sure your mother would love to have you. And maybe losing you guys will be the wake-up call that pushes the man who sounds like a narcissist. I mean, maybe I don't know enough about alcoholism and he's just sick. But the fact that he's like, no, I'm smart and counseling's crap. And no, I've tried it and it's no good. And I've been to AA once. I mean, do you want to be... 60 years old dealing with this and then your children turn around and go why didn't you take us away from that situation I think it's not good enough for you it's not good enough for your kids and you need to wash your hands of responsibility for it because it sounds very dangerous to me there are resources um, I know you don't want to reach out to these resources like women's refuge and stuff I, I understand that you know you don't want to do that but I think that they can at the very least offer you advice and look at staying with your mother as temporary if you need to. Yeah, go to refuge.org.uk and they have a free phone 24-hour national domestic abuse helpline. And then maybe they can even direct you to like a more specialized alcoholic counselor because this is a trauma. If the person that I loved magically snapped into a different person and put his hands around my throat, I understand that you're like angry and you need to keep yourself safe but you're heartbroken as well so it's really complicated and I think you definitely need to get help oh I'm really sorry here's a question about everyone's favorite shih tzu on my Instagram Megan Catherine I'd be interested in your opinion this is my shih tzu puppy Molly with a really cute picture of a dog when I took my other dog to the vet for depression what <laughs> after Molly's arrival Dogs get depressed? What do they prescribe a dog for depression? Just like, oh, I don't mean, I don't want to diminish the feelings of a depressed dog. Like, throw a ball, all fixed. I didn't think dogs had complex enough feelings to have depression. Like a, like a literal chemical imbalance in a dog. Okay. Anyway, this vet was more concerned about Molly's nostrils than my other dog's mental state. Well, yeah. He says they're too small, and she'll need an operation to widen them. And once she's under general anesthetic, they might discover she has more issues that they'll do at the same time. Something to do with her windpipe, soft palate, but they can't tell that until she's under anesthesia. He also asked whether she would be spayed, to which I replied, she'll be having one litter first. And he said, I wouldn't recommend that. Her nostril issue is undoubtedly hereditary, at which point I almost burst into tears. The whole point of getting a girl dog was to have a litter. Just the one. I want to be a puppy mummy. I'm asking your advice as I hear Meg snoring on your podcast, and yet you mentioned breeding her. Has she always snored like that? Does she have small nostrils? Would you ignore the vet and breed my puppy anyway? I was hoping to breed her with a poodle, not another short-nosed breed, and only when she's fully grown. Would you even let her have the operation? It seems very traumatic. Face surgery and such a little pup? Oh my gosh, so a few things. First of all, you are going to get all kinds of hate in my inbox that I'm not going to read or read out, so don't bother sending it. And it's going to be about adopt, don't shop, and it's going to be people telling you why you should not breed this puppy. But, like, those people had their own children, so adopt, don't shop. Like, what are we doing? Ideally, you're supposed to go to Battersea Dogs Home or whatever. So, you know, it's more ethical. No, I'm not breeding Megan. Never an intention to breed Megan. She has been spayed since after her first season. There's like mixed advice whether you should spay a puppy before their first season or let them have one season and then spay them. Season, if you don't know, is dog period. Um, then they're like fully mature and they're like urinary whatever area. That, But I mean, don't email me about that either. I don't care. 
Um, and uh, oh, Bobby for a while wanted to breed Cardi. She's our poodle, but we're not doing that anymore either because it was a ridiculous idea. And now we have a newborn and we have four dogs already, so I don't know what we're thinking. It was a pipe dream. We will not be breeding any of our dogs. And Megan will be having this surgery. I forget the name, but it's very, very common in those flat-faced dog breeds, pugs and things, to have a soft palate reduction because it can just be a noise thing, but as they get older, their breathing can get more labored, and what you don't want is for that entire like esophagus to collapse one day, and then you know it's irreversible. It's a pretty straightforward surgery. I think there's only 5% risk. Um, we've already had a consultation for Megan to have that surgery. She's so super, super, super small. She's not a normal size shit, so at all, she's like two pounds. She'll have to have it at the Royal Veterinary College in Hertfordshire because they have like experts. And the only risk really is that there could be swelling after surgery. You know, they'd need to intubate them and stuff. But usually that doesn't happen. Loads of my friend's dogs have had this surgery to reduce the soft palate. It's fine do the surgery I think and I mean do you really want to breed this dog I don't know that's your business but um no it's not traumatic surgery it's very common in the right hands and it'll help her breathe and have more energy a few emails about my mom last week I was saying oh perhaps my mom Julie McCarthy who you've heard on the podcast maybe she will do the extra content for the audiobook because I don't want to I feel like you've all heard my voice enough and people are going crazy for this prospect. Look at this email from Judith. Who the hell is Judith? I feel like this must be my mom in disguise because it is abrupt. It is to the point. It says, if Julie McCarthy does the extra content, I'll buy the book and recommend it. If she doesn't, I won't. This sounds like my mom. Just to be clear, there's some extra content in the books. I've written an extra chapter about Jen and Fiona in the Tesco um, version, but this is the audiobook. So my mom has recorded extra content for the audiobook, and she's going to record some more. So that has been approved. That's happening, and what she's done already is so funny. Well, my mom will love hearing this, and um, you're going to get your wish. She's doing the audiobook content for The Audacity, which is released September 30th. Red alert. A gay man is heartbroken. Catherine, I've been an avid listener of your podcast for a while, and I usually listen on my lunch break. To give t context, I'm a gay 24-year-old man, and now my ex is 20. We had been dating for almost two years until two weeks ago when he said he was no longer happy and decided to break up. To Sam, heartbroken is an understatement. We were each other's first love, so maybe it's just that. But I can't help but think we were made for each other. I was no saint in the relationship, and neither was he. During the start of our relationship, he was sexting other guys. However, since I had rebuilt my trust in him, he was, is young, and I can understand his mistakes. Since break camp with me, I have found there are things I need to work on in our relationship, learning to love myself before him, etc. To be honest, before we got together, I never knew what I wanted, and my expectations were in a... I didn't know what my expectations would be in a relationship, so I was winging it. So now I don't know what to do. I know I need to give him space and myself space so that we can work on each other. However, I can't help but be scared that we won't come together again. I can't even consider being with someone else right now. I just can't stop thinking about him. Do you think I'm chasing false hope or should I pursue this self-awareness journey and reach out when he and I are ready? 
it sucks so much because it's not up to you. And I think relinquishing that control is so frustrating because I see what you're doing. You've been dumped. When you get dumped, you're always the one going away with reflection, being like, oh, actually, I could have done this and I could have done that. But, I mean, no, I don't think you could have done anything. You're only young yourself. And like he said, he was no longer happy and he decided to break up. I think that that is very, unfortunately, common after two years. The excitement is gone. You want to get out there and, like, see what else is around. And you will have to organically come back together if you do. I totally understand that you don't want to be with anyone else. And you shouldn't be with anyone else. You should definitely be on your own. I'm so sorry about all this noise. This is a working set. And, like, it does not help that someone's, like, power washing outside throughout. I don't even know where that noise is coming from, but it's pissing me off. Look, there's nothing you can do right now, and that sucks. Definitely don't call him. Don't text him. You have to leave some space and some silence. It's always good to learn lessons from a relationship and work on yourself. But I was dumped one time. I know, hard to believe. And then I thought that I had learned all these things. I was like, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. I don't know. In reality, I, like, clawed this man back, and it was a mistake. And we were together for like a year after that. And we shouldn't have been. We should have just been friends. He was right. We, our relationship had reached its natural end. But I found all these things about myself to change and fix and work on because I missed him. Na na na. He was just right. So this might be the best thing for a while. You do need to give him space. You do need to give yourself space. And just don't think about it like a break. You have to think about it like it's done. And then do not pick this subject back up for, I mean, at least a year. It's too fresh. I'm so sorry. And you will have your heart broken probably a few more times in your life too. I'm sorry to say, but you always come up stronger. Stop slamming the doors. Oh no, dear Catherine, I'm only 17, but my boobs are saggy as fuck. This is because I was in denial about me going through puberty. And so I didn't feel comfortable wearing bras until recently. Anyway, is there anything I can do to fix this? Any exercises or something your listeners know? I have the tits of a 40-year-old. Should I even be worried about this, though? You talked about body positivity on your most recent episode, so I thought I'd send this email, too. How do I learn to feel more comfortable with my chest? Well, number one, you need to know that you did not get breasts that you are calling saggy from denying puberty and not wearing a bra. In the 70s, your mother will tell you, or maybe her mother, because you're so young, that those women never wore bras. There are loads of women who don't wear bras today, and some of them think it even makes your boobs perkier because, I don't know, you have more like muscle definition in your pecs, I don't know. Loads, loads, loads of women do not wear bras, and they will never get saggy boobs. Loads of women wear bras all the time, and they will have more like quote-unquote saggy, as you call it, boobs. It's totally genetic. It's nothing environmental that you did. Having said that, we're not used to seeing natural breasts on social media or on television or in gowns on the red carpet yet. We see them a few times, but I think it's really important for women who do have the shape of breasts that we don't see to post their cleavage. I know Scarlett Moffat the other day posted like some natural selfie. She was wearing a low cut top and she was like, yep, my boobs are saggy, this is what it is. And it was so refreshing because we're conditioned to think like the look of implants is normal. It's not normal. And you will find loads of black women, women of color, a lot of accounts on Instagram. 
I can't even name any. You know who you should follow is Honey Ross. And then she always posts content from other creators that's really body positive and really great. And I have seen more differently shaped breasts from these accounts than ever before in my life. So the way that your body is is perfectly perfect and perfectly natural and perfectly normal. And please don't be fooled by the cosmetic surgery industry. I know I should not be the one telling you this because I definitely have breast implants. Got them twice, loved it so much. But um, I think I'm going to be getting those out soon and embracing like natural breasts because that is normal and it's annoying to be tricked. So it's nothing you did. Your boobs are great. Live your life and don't, you know, what a waste it would be at year 17 if you were shameful about your body like forever now. No, no, don't do that to yourself. You're great. Here's an interesting one. Why can't I walk where I want? Ick. Catherine, here's something that's been bothering me while dating. I'm 27. I'm originally from London, but I'm currently living in Italy doing a PhD. Good for you. I think of myself as quite a strong, independent woman. And generally, I only date guys that I imagine would be quite liberal and feminist too. But one thing keeps reoccurring that's really bothering me. So I was on a date with a guy this week, and we were walking next to the bar, to the next bar. We seemed to get on well, and I thought I quite liked him, but then he kept making a point of walking roadside next to the traffic and purposely moving me to, quote-unquote, protect me. This is a common occurrence when dating in Italy, and it really gives me the ick. I since Googled it, and apparently this tradition comes from when sewer systems were poor, and so you were less risk from being hit by waste being thrown out of people's windows if you walked street side. Apparently men would walk closer to the road to show that they were not afraid of getting a bucket of shit thrown over their heads. I've spoken to some friends about this, and opinions are divided as to whether walking closer to the road to protect me is chauvinist or thoughtful. My opinion generally is that the only people that need protecting when walking on a pavement are children. So for me, it was an instant red flag, and I will not be dating this guy again. But I was emailing to ask, what do you think? For context, the roads where I live are quite narrow, and in classic Italian style have lots of motorbikes, etc. But I've been here for four years, and I've managed perfectly fine with walking on pavements before. Is this chivalry or misogyny? Thank you. Well, gosh, I mean, I guess it's both, depending on how you look at it. A lot of these traditions are going to be misogynistic just by origin, you know? Because everything that we did before, basically now, was with the assumption that women were weaker and needed to be protected and were delicate. And But, you know, some of these things you don't have to get pent out of shape about, bent out of shape about. You don't have to worry about it. If the Titanic's sinking and they want to let you and your child on the boat first, great. If there's conscription and lots of young men are going to war, being really brave and doing that, if you want to go, you should be able to go. If you don't want to go and you get spared in, like, World War II, great. If some guy wants to put himself between a bus and me, great. If he wants to open the door for me, pull out my chair, great, great, great. I don't feel personally offended by any of that. I think intent is really important, and he's not intending probably to, you know, demean you or to make you feel like a child or to say that you're weak. It's just probably what his parents told him was a polite gesture growing up. And I know exactly what you mean. My mom and I was a child. Used to raise her hand up and go under the bridge and hold my hand and I would go under her hand and be on the inside. That was always the rule when walking. And um, 
I think probably when I'm walking with my husband, he walks on the outside. I mean, just, I mean, feminism is great, but if someone wants to put themselves between you and traffic, let them. I mean, we have bigger fish to fry. Thank you for listening to the final August episode of Telling Everybody Everything. Oh my gosh, it's autumn. It's nearly September. The kids are going back to school. It's getting cold. I can't believe it. I'm so sorry for all the extra noise that you heard today. I've just been trying to play catch up with all these COVID delays. And I had to bring you to work with me a few times. I hope you had fun. I hope you learned a lot about door slamming and street sweepers and Fiona coughing. Um, please reach out if you want to date Fiona. Telling everybody everything at gmail.com. She's over there being like, stop it. We can't hear you, Fiona. You have no voice. She's got laryngitis. Once again, not that it stopped slamming the... Listen, I'm going to put this podcast out of its misery today. Thank you for your patience with all the noise. Next week, we will be home in the lovely, quiet office in my house. I appreciate listening. I will see you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.